Welcome to Retire Smarter with Kevin Krosky. Find answers to your toughest questions and get educated about the financial world. It's time to retire smarter. Today's podcast is going to be awesome because we're eating steak during our conversation today. Oh no, I read that wrong, Kevin. We're talking about steak, not actually eating it. Well, that was quite the letdown, but that's okay. We're still going to have a pretty good show today. Kevin Krosky, Walter Storholt here with you on Retire Smarter. Kevin's the president and wealth advisor at True Wealth Design, serving you throughout Northeast Ohio with offices in Akron and Canfield. You can find them online at truewealthdesign.com. No, in all seriousness, great conversation on tap for today because we're going to be talking about something that I'd be willing to venture if you're nearing that retirement age You might have seen one of these come in the mail, might have received an invitation to a steak dinner. And Kevin, this actually happened to one of your clients, as I understand it. And they attended one of these steak dinners paid for by, a, uh, I guess, another financial firm. And tell us a little bit about how this all transpired, what happened, and some of the questions that they had from this. Yeah, sure. So I have a couple clients that actually, when they come in for these meetings or progress meetings, they'll just bring in all the propaganda that they get in the mail and all the, they can probably eat out most nights of the week. And I've heard <laughs> if you are in Florida, then not only can you eat out most nights of the week, you can, you can also go out for lunch too. So it's out there, you know, you have people buying free meals and spending a bunch of money on these invitations and, you know, going and, and usually, most of the ones that I've seen are usually around an annuity, or if it's not explicitly saying that, I can kind of read between the lines as far as some of the things that they're saying as to why that's the case. But this one specifically came from a client, a smart guy, a very smart guy, he's an engineer. And as most engineers, uh, as their minds work, he wanted to know, well, how do these things work? You know, it almost sounded kind of too good to be true, but I'm kind of interested in it. And some of the things that he said, this gentleman who you know, put on the show, if you will, said that, hey, there's no cost and there's no stock market risk, but there's stock market like returns. And you hear things like that. It, I mean, it kind of sounds too good to be true, right? I mean, no cost. I mean, who knew all the insurance companies in the world were actually nonprofits? Did you know that, Walter? No, I didn't. I mean, neither. So we'll talk about that. And then the other part about stock market like returns without any risk. I mean, that's that's also not really true. So smart guy, engineer, I've had other questions like this come up over the years. We actually have some clients that have these. Not that we sold these to them, but uh, when we started working together and they bring in all their stuff and they said, hey, we need some help and we decide we want to work together, we kind of go through and analyze what they have. And it's not a uniform thing where we will just say, hey, you got to get rid of this. I mean, ultimately, there's kind of a sunk cost usually when you get into these things and you got to analyze it. And sometimes it does make sense to keep them, even though we wouldn't have recommended them in the first place. So how about I uh, share a little bit more and kind of tell you why and show you where some of the myths and the gotchas are. Does that sound okay? Yeah, I know that annuities can be a bad word in some circles. So yeah, give us the good, bad, and the ugly of the annuity world. Yeah, you know, I guess one other thing that I should say is, I guess a quick full disclosure, if you will, for our business. And we are, we technically can sell these products and frankly, we could make more money if we did. However, we don't for the reasons that I'll explain here in a moment. And we just feel like there's better ways to go ahead and produce the returns that our clients need to go ahead and make their financial plans work. And there are some of these gotchas that we're just not comfortable with. So the way that we work, about 1% or so of our revenue, a very small portion comes from commissions. And that's usually from life insurance commissions, 
mostly term insurance commissions from her clients. And most life insurance does still pay a commission. There's typically no way to get around that. There's a few minor exceptions. But the way that we deal with that conflict as a firm is we just always show the clients how we shop the market. And we actually do disclose the commission in writing. So I'm not aware of any other financial firms that do that. But I always think that you, you need to know what your advisor is making and you need to know what conflicts are there and what may or may not be driving the advice. So just wanted to put that out there before we kind of get into the nitty gritty. As it goes for the nitty gritty, so no cost. So how could it possibly be no cost. Well, it's not no cost. So what happens if you give an insurance company your money for an annuity? Well, there's a couple different types of annuities. There's broadly, you can categorize them into an immediate annuity or a deferred annuity. And immediate annuities make up a very, very small portion of the annuity market. I checked a few years ago, I think it was about two or 3%. Mm. And these things are really more like a pension. They're an income stream. So if you give the insurance company, say $100,000, they may give you six or $7,000 per year you know, for your life that you can't outlive. So just, just like a pension, but you're kind of creating it directly with an insurance company. So those are the immediate annuities. On the other hand, there's these things called deferred annuities. And here you could have something very simple and often is not a bad solution at all, but it could be just plain fixed annuities. They're often CD-like, but just because of the way that the insurance companies and banks work, typically banks will have to hold their collateral in uh, more highly rated, say, U.S. Treasury obligations whereas insurance companies will go out and buy corporate bonds and typically corporate bonds pay more than the U.S. government. So it's not uncommon to find fixed annuity rates are higher than, say, a similar, say, a five-year CD versus a five-year fixed annuity. So, so those aren't bad. Those aren't bad at all. They do have commissions. You may lock up your money for five years with some limited withdrawal provisions, but they're not bad. We've actually used them for some more of our conservative clients over the years uh, that did not necessarily want to invest in mutual funds where things were, at least in their eyes, less certain. So we have, again, those two categories. You have immediate annuities on one side and deferred annuities on the other. And we just talked about what I think are are relatively decent and straightforward, and they're called the multi-year guaranteed fixed annuities. Then as you move beyond that, you start getting into more complexity, higher costs, and a lot more marketing, you know, whiz bang stuff rather than, you know, kind of good products for people to use. Uh, so what my client was told about was something called a fixed indexed annuity. Some people call them indexed annuities. These are the things that they say have stock market like returns, but no risk. And it's just, it's just simply isn't true. So how I explain this to my client is, you know, you're going to give money to an insurance company and they're going to go ahead and invest that in their own account. And uh, if you look at an insurance company's financial statements, it's going to call their general account. And Walter, do you have any idea what kind of assets insurance companies invest in? Um, I'm going to guess that it's like what you would otherwise be doing, right? Stocks and bonds and mutual funds, those kinds of assets? Yeah, it's mostly in bonds. So I kind of mentioned that when I talked about the fixed annuities. I put you on the spot there. I apologize. You can yell at me later, but it's it's all right. Sometimes I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Sometimes I just play the devil's advocate. So people don't really know when I don't really know what I'm talking about. So I've got my bases covered. (laughs) You add the color that we need. So thank you for that. So, you know, insurance companies have to be around to pay the claims for, you know, whether they're life insurance benefits or for these annuities. And uh, if you look at any insurance companies, general account investments, 
by and large, it's going to be probably 90% plus in bonds. So high quality bonds, you know, they're not doing a whole lot, maybe a little bit of real estate, you know, really very few in equity assets. So you're going to give them money and they're going to invest in bonds. So one, if you wanted to, you could do the exact same thing without the insurance company, right? You can just go ahead and say, well, okay, I mean, hey, I can go out and I can buy a bond. But the insurance company is going to take that. And I'm going to use the example of there's a company that focuses mostly on these fixed annuities. And a lot of that is specifically on these fixed index annuities. And I'm not going to talk bad about them. They're a publicly traded company. So they have to file annual financial statements, annual shareholder reports. And there's a lot of disclosure and clarity around that. And I'm just going to use their own words to explain how these things work. Does that sound okay? Sounds fair. Yes, it does. I think so. Uh, and so this company, it's called American Equity. In 2017, their annual report showed that they earned 4.46%. So 4.46% on their general account. So something in line with you know, a bond portfolio. You know, they Again, maybe they can do a little bit better in managing their bond portfolio than you can but they earn 4.46%. So they work on spreads. What does that mean? Is there an explicit fee charged to the annuity holder after they give them, say, give the insurance company $100,000 or so? No, but they're going to operate on a spread and they're going to keep a portion of that general account for themselves, for their operating costs, to pay their agent commissions you know, for you know the person that sold you that product, and for their profitability. And they're going to pay the difference to policyholders. And so I have those numbers right here. So for 2017, American Equity had a 4.46% on their general account. That's what they totally earned. They paid out 1.74% to policyholders, and they kept 2.72% for themselves to pay for their operating costs, aging commissions, profit margins, what have you. So 4.46% only 1.74% went to policyholders, 2.72% they kept for themselves for profits and costs. Okay. How does that strike you, Walter? Interesting spread of numbers. It doesn't sound like a lot's going to folks on the policy side of things, though. I would say the exact same thing. And so they can control these minimum guarantees. So they're, they may credit you a higher rate, but there could be a lower minimum guarantee that they could reduce you know, your crediting rate too. And then as you get into these indexing, basically they're taking some money, some of that 2.72% and, you know, buying some financial products called options on stock market indices. So without getting too far into the weeds, they are linking to the stock market, but you're definitely not getting stock market-like returns. You're getting bond-like returns or maybe a little bit better than bonds, but certainly not stocks. And when you do that, there's all kinds of other things that come into play. And I'm going to read directly from the annual report here. So American Equity wrote in their 2017 annual shareholder report, it says, we are currently in the midst of an unprecedented period of low interest rates and low yields for investments with a credit quality we prefer. In response to persistent low interest rate environment, we have been reducing policyholder crediting rates for both new and existing annuities since the fourth quarter of 2011. Let me pause for a moment. So basically, you know, an insurance person sold this product to somebody that put their money into it. These products typically, I mean, if five, seven, 
10-year surrender charge. So basically the client that bought this cannot get out of the thing until they're out of the surrender without steep penalties. Why are those penalties there? Because the insurance agent got paid a big commission up front and those surrender charges basically lock the client in so the insurance company can amortize over that period of years what they paid to the insurance agent. So somebody bought one of these American Equity products in 2011, where here we are almost in 2019, and American Equity says, well, hey, you know, I know that we said we were going to go ahead and, and provide a linking method that was much more favorable when we gave you that new policy and this marketing brochure. But we just kind of changed our mind. And, you know, really, I don't know if you notice on page 972 of the contract, but there's this language in there that says we only have to guarantee this minimum linking benefit, if you will. And that linking benefit most commonly is kind of a cap. So the S&P 500, say it does 20% in a year or you know, 2013, it did north of 30%. These products and these annuities will more commonly cap the return at maybe like four, six, or eight oh, percent, or something like that. That's a lot of headroom yeah, chopped off there. <laughs> well, yeah, and you know, even though the market historically, on average, you know, has done around ten percent, it almost never does ten percent. There's a lot of variability in stock market returns. The other thing with this linking that you just don't get any dividends, so it's just I don't want to get too far into the weeds on these things, but you're going to get some sort of cap. The insurance company can control that cap. Usually it's higher for new policies because they want to induce you to go ahead and give your money to them. But then buried in the contract, there's going to be something about a minimum guarantee that they have to provide for that cap or a minimum guaranteed rate. There's other fees that they can charge. There's just a lot of potential gotchas in there. So if I continue going on reading what they said, it says, we continue to have flexibility to reduce our crediting rates if necessary and could decrease our cost of money, cost of money is basically what they pay to policyholders, by approximately 49 basis points, or basically another half percent. So, you know, they're paying out 1.74%. They can control that even more and basically take these crediting rates down to the minimum guarantees or, you know, reduce these caps that link this annuity to the stock market even further. So it says it right in here. I guarantee you, if you look at any marketing brochure that was used to sell one of these, that language did not show up in there. It's all, you know, hey, buy this annuity. You can't lose any money. Hey, you can link to the stock market. And you'll often find some period of years where maybe it's cherry picked and they show that, hey, this annuity could have done this. But there's all these gotchas in there. And I've been in this business long enough to see how the insurance companies have done this. And, you know, something I can tell you for one client specifically, 2005 or so, they bought one of these. It was a life insurance policy that had this kind of indexing functionality in it. And the cap back then on the S&P 500 was 17. And the worst that it could do was 1%. So your returns are going to be somewhere between 17 and 1. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Would you take that? It wasn't down in the negative. So yeah, I'd say that sounds good. Yeah, it sounded pretty good to me too. And granted, you don't get the dividends, but dividends today are only 2%. Back then, they were probably like around 3% or so. So that's important. That's an important part of the return that somebody's going to get on investments. But 17 and 1. You want to take a guess what the that, that cap is these days, Walter? Oh, it can't be anywhere near 17%, especially with reading this notice that's in there about it, you know, needing to lower that over time. Let's say, I don't know, uh, we'll go down to 7%. That's a pretty dramatic drop. 
Yeah, you're close. Uh, it's slightly better than that at 8%. Okay. So it's been reduced by more than half from 17 <laughs> down to 8. So I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen time and again. And you know, this is from a company right here that I think like 95% of their business are these types of annuities. And so right here in their own shareholder report, it says exactly what they do and how they manage their risk. What they don't say is, you know, it comes at the expense of the policyholders. And I guarantee you that is never told in the story when you're talking about, hey, take a bite of your steak. And oh, by the way, these things have no costs. You can't lose money. It just doesn't say that you really don't make much money either. And we have all of these potential gotchas because we want to manage our risk, but you're going to be locked up in a product for five to 10 years, or maybe longer in some cases. And there's not going to be a lot that you can do about it because the surrender charges to get out of it are so steep. So I guess if I can move into that devil's advocate role, isn't, you know, just from kind of seeing these things before and, you know, listening to different things about annuities and seeing some of the marketing pieces that are in there, you know, I see the term peace of mind or safety is often used as the goal for this product. Now, depending on, you know, the advisor, if it's being pitched as, you know, this is a great way to make money then you're kind of debasing that in our conversation. But what if the goal is safety, peace of mind? Does the annuity serve that function efficiently? I would say if that was the sole goal, yeah, you can. Because, I mean, so does leaving money in your mattress or down at the bank. But I don't think any of those are really good, smart financial decisions. What I would say is, and I've seen this time and time and time again with people that we work with on their planning, you know, before you have a plan that you can actually visualize what the future is going to be like, you know, how your, your income sources from your social security and your pension or any other income sources you may have from the company that you work for over the years, how that is going to go ahead and integrate and how your investments are going to go ahead and support anything that those don't meet and how much money do you really need to spend and how is that spending going to change over time until you start synthesizing all that together and you don't have kind of that clarity and some concreteness about what the future is likely going to hold. I've often found that people, and a lot of smart people, I mean, we have several clients that have these kind of annuities that Literally, the surrender charges are so high that it just doesn't make sense to get out of them. And we just use it as a bond substitute for their plan. However, if we could have gotten them sooner and we could have done this plan for them and showed them like, look, you know, and we measure what kind of rate of return that they need for their plan to work. And if that return is pretty low, I mean, it's common that we'll find clients that, you know, they only need to get one or 2% after inflation or 3% after inflation. You can do that with mostly a bond portfolio, even with low interest rates today. And if you can see that clarity, then you can start having a conversation of, well, okay, I mean, heck, you know, do I really just want to go ahead and buy the bonds myself and cut out the insurance company? Or do I want to go ahead and, and lock my money up and buy something, this perceived peace of mind? But honestly, now that I have this plan, I can see that it's not as certain as some underlying guarantee, but guarantees are really expensive. And if I don't need to spend all that money on some guarantee, I'm okay with a little bit of uncertainty because my plan is really well funded anyway. So I'm just going to opt for the smarter financial decision. I'm going to have a little bit less certainty. I'm not going to pay for an expensive guarantee. And this is the path that I'm going to go down. So a lot of it, it does sound like it comes down to maybe efficiency. You can replace the other functions of something like an annuity with other pieces, eliminate the middleman, and then have success in those different arenas just using some of those other tools that are out there that they're going to turn in around and use anyway for you. Yes. And the other thing I would say is we started earlier in the conversation talking about those two buckets, two types of annuities 
the immediate annuities or the deferred annuities. And I mentioned that only two or 3% of the marketplace included sales and purchases of those immediate annuities. And of those, there's also annuities where there's no commissions. And those represent a very, very small fraction of the total annuity market. Mm-hmm. And so when I look at data like that, on one hand, when you have deferred annuities that are truly no commission and very few dollars are going into it, and then you have this sea of commissionable annuities, I'm really skeptical. And I say, well, what's really driving that? Is that really, are all those commissionable annuities better than all the ones that strip the commissions out? It just doesn't seem very plausible. And then when you actually look at some of the science-based evidence, converting your income, some of your money into an income stream that you can't outlive can work well, particularly if you're talking about kind of as a bond substitute, if you will. And those are really those immediate annuities. And there's a lot of good academic evidence on the fact that those immediate annuities can work pretty well to provide retirement income and do it much more effectively than these deferred annuities. But only two or 3% of the marketplace are these immediate annuities. And the skeptic in me says, well, why is that the case? And there's some legitimate reasons why clients are a little bit resistant to doing those. But I can definitively tell you that the commissions on those immediate annuities, we've used them from time to time for clients. And we can actually use a completely non-commissioned version of them. So the client gets more money on a monthly basis over their lifetime. And that's what we do. But the commission ones are pay like two and a half or 3%. These fixed index annuities pay, you know, double and maybe even triple than that. So again, you know, where are the incentives in these things? What's really driving the sales of those? I would argue pretty definitively that it's really the commissions and uh, the sales incentives for the people that are selling these rather than really being good for the end client. Yeah, when you start talking about those numbers of commissions, and then we're not talking about small amounts of money being put into these products either, right, Kevin? I mean, a lot of the times, especially at some of these steak dinner seminars, you know, if you were to probably look at some of the stories or meet some of the people who have worked with these folks, we're talking about significant amounts of money going into these products, right? Yeah, and the thing that that is not good too, you know, these things pay commissions. Typically, they're front end loaded, and you know, having a five or seven or eight sometimes even 10% commission, literally like 10% commission. On average, clients pay us about 1% to go ahead and take care of their financial planning, their investment planning, their tax planning, their tax preparation. I have to work 10 years to make what this insurance agent made in in one year. And while I have a little bit of a resentment for that, uh, what was really (laughs) bad about that, what is really bad about that is that that insurance agent has absolutely no incentive to go ahead and service the client that they just sold that annuity to because they don't get paid at all to do the service work. They get paid to go out and sell a new first year commission for a new client. And so people end up with these products and then after a while they end up in you know, my office or somebody like mine trying to figure out, I got all this stuff, but I have no clue how it fits together. And I don't, still don't have any clarity, even though I bought all this stuff that supposedly is going to give me peace of mind and I don't have that either. I had a contract attorney that brought two of these things into my office you know, a number of years ago and he said, I'm a contract attorney. I have no clue what the contract that I signed actually says. <laughs> That's not a good sign, is it, Kevin? No, no. Where there's, so I'll often use American Equity, you know, just because they are a publicly traded company and they have, if they misrepresent themselves in these annual filings and what have you, they will get sued and it will be a class action suit. So they can't do that. So I like to go there. The other thing I like to say is all these products that these annuity companies come out with, they're created by the marketing department. They are created purely for, hey, what can we go out and what can we sell? What can we get more commissions, more first year money, what have you? Everything that we try to do here is really 
created from the research department. What works, what doesn't, and why? Let's use those things that do work. Let's stay away from the things that are not likely to work. And if we do that consistently over time, we're going to have good results. One last thought, and uh, I think you'll just find this humorous. I actually attended one of these dinner seminars before in the past and watched a presentation to see you know, what it was like. And it's kind of funny hearing what you're talking about now with what was talked about in the room. Not only was you know, sort of safety and peace of mind something that was often pitched, but they used the term or the uh, sentence, you know, and your financial plan, your retirement plan, and the things that you're invested in, you should be able to explain them to a five-year-old. A five-year-old should understand the concepts. Well, that kind of flies in the face with the contract attorney not being able to tell what in the world's going on when he goes to read a contract. No, and we a couple of these that we actually have analyzed and kept for clients. I mean, I can think of one specifically where you call in customer service and for whatever reason, like all insurance company customer service is like a black hole. And for this client, like I thought it was going to make sense to keep, but the contract actually didn't even have the data that would, that said, you know, here's what the payout is going to be, you know, based on both the husband and wife's life expectancy and their age. And so I called in and, you know, we had the client on the line and just said, you know, here's what we're looking for. And then we had to go to kind of a senior person and then that senior person still couldn't get us what we needed. And then, I mean, it was ridiculous. I mean, it, it was like a black hole that we had to go into. And now every year we have to go and try to pull money out of this thing. And we have to do it very specifically because if you do it in an unspecific fashion, you can completely blow up this guarantee and this lifetime income stream that they could have. And so it's like, you got to be incredibly careful to navigate this and not screw it up And we have a good plan for it, but it's just been, it's completely impossible for them to have done it themselves. And the guy that sold it to them years ago, literally, they pretty much never heard from him again after he sold this to them. So these are people that, you know, have some means, you know, gentleman's a doctor or was a doctor and, you know, they couldn't get any advice. They just got stuff sold to them and we'll deal with it. We'll analyze if it makes sense to keep, then we'll keep it. But if I could go back and do a situation like that over again, there's no way I put them in that product in the first place. A lot of fancy marketing and slick brochures and all sorts of impressive efforts can go behind, you know, presenting these things to you. And so you have to be aware of that, but they can fool some of the best of us and not necessarily fool, but certainly it can have us, you know, kind of on board with the mentality without even then thinking that there are other options and other ideas out there that might work for our particular interests. Kevin, interesting material as always. I know that we could probably do multiple podcasts in a row if we really wanted to get into the nitty and gritty of that very uh, controversial financial topic out there of annuities, but I feel like we covered it pretty good today. Any final thoughts that you want to leave the listener with today? Yeah, I guess one other thing about this, but if I could find an annuity like this, and we didn't even talk about variable annuities today, they're they're also in this kind of that, category. That's where I'll I thought we were going to go today, when but, we started off, knowing that that's the biggest lightning rod maybe of all of them. <laughs> yeah, but if I could find these index annuities where I knew what the minimum guarantees were and they were higher than what they were and the commissions were stripped out, I would totally use the product and I would, particularly today when interest rates are low and bond expected returns are also low. But they don't exist. They really don't exist. So if they do exist, I will use them. But the theory behind it works well. But all these gotchas and how the incentives line up and the commissions that are embedded in them, they just don't work well for people. So if you happen to have one of these, again, it is what it is. It's not the end of the world. Chuck it up to maybe a learning experience. But you really have to analyze it and figure it out. I would say analyze it from, (laughs) from an independent third party that didn't sell you this thing 
and see, you know, how's it going to work for you? Does it make sense to keep it? If so, how's it really going to fit into your overall retirement plan and retirement income plan? And then, you know, how are we going to incorporate it, you know, kind of around it? You know, so if you are going to keep it, that's going to impact how your investment allocation is going to be. It may impact your tax planning, particularly if it is not in an IRA account, but you need to get clarity on it first and you still need to do a plan. So if you need help with that, that's what we do. That's what we do five days, six days a week. And that's what we've been doing for a long time. I'd be happy to help you do it too. Give Kevin a call, 855-TWD-PLAN. If you have questions, do you have an annuity? Are you thinking maybe it's not the right fit for your financial plan? Would you like Kevin and the team to analyze it for you, to talk to you about some of the other things that you might be able to utilize in your plan? Or maybe it's not that you've currently got one, but you've been thinking about working with an advisor who's been recommending an annuity. You can get a second opinion as well from Kevin and the team at True Wealth Design. 855-TWD-PLAN. That's 855 855- or online as always at truewealthdesign.com. And when you go to the site, you can click on the Are We Right For You button and schedule your 15-minute call with an experienced advisor on the team. That's True Wealth Design, serving you throughout Northeast Ohio with offices in Akron and Canfield. Kevin, we appreciate the help on the podcast today. We'll look forward to another fun one next time around. I appreciate it as well. Thanks, Walter. A lot of fun as always. That's Kevin Krosky. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time on Retire Smarter. Information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accurateness and completeness cannot be guaranteed. All performance reference is historical and not an indication of future results. Benchmark indices are hypothetical and do not include any investment fees.